Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's now ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to the 100th episode of The Incline. One of your best Dodgers podcasts out there, at least in my opinion. Whether it's your first time listening because you're a diehard Dodgers fan or you absolutely hate the Dodgers and you're trying to figure out how the heck did these guys win 10 games out of the last 11, we welcome you. And if you've been with us since the beginning, welcome back. This is Kevin Klein here. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are 75 and 46. That's 29 games above 500. Coming off a fantastic sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the New York Mets. This team is rolling right now. David Rosenthal, how are you doing this week? I'm doing a lot better than last week, Kevin. Uh, last week, I was pretty hard on the Dodgers. Uh, I think it was rightfully so. And look what's happened now. They've won 10 out of 11. They've swept the bad teams, that's what, which is what they needed to do. And we got three more against a bad team right now against the New York Mets coming up in about an hour. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing good, man. Uh, look, Dodgers are getting healthy. Uh, we, we haven't seen them this you know, we're obviously missing bets and Kershaw, but, but we're slowly getting back. It's that they said today that bets is going to resume baseball activities and go on to play in a simulated game and a rehab assignment next week. Uh, Arias is coming back next week. Kershaw's playing catch. And look, if they sweep the Mets, I'm declaring the division title back on. I'm just going to say that now I was completely out of it last week. I said, prepare for the wild card. If they sweep the Mets, it's back on. Never a doubt. Felt like I was the most optimistic last week. I said that the Dodgers were more than capable of winning those six games in a row, and they sure did it. The last time the Pirates actually beat the Dodgers, this stood out to me, I didn't know that, was all the way back in June 6th of 2018 when Caleb Ferguson made his first ever Major League start. But the Dodgers won 16 games straight. We own those buckos. Thank God. Jake Reiner, what's going on? Uh, like David said, I'm doing a lot better than we were the last time we spoke. And it's because of three things, right? 
there were three things that the Dodgers needed to do in order to gain back momentum, go on a run that we've been talking about. And they've done two of those three things. The two things that they've done are win an extra inning game, which they've done twice now, and win one run or close games, which they've done. The third thing they needed to do, which they haven't quite figured out yet, for for whatever reason, their defense is still terrible. For whatever reason, their infield defense is really bad. And uh, I I saw an article in the LA Times today basically uh, comparing the Dodgers defensively at each position as it relates to the Giants. The Giants are consistently in the top three in the National League across the board. The Dodgers are near the bottom in a lot of different categories. However, I will say... For, for some reason, Max Muncy, who's, who is now back in the NL MVP race, and he's fully in there. He's on absolutely on fire. He leads all first basemen in the National League at defense. So that's just another notch in his cap for why he should definitely get a strong look for NL MVP. But they're winning these games that they need to win. And it, as a fan, it's it's exciting, but it's also excruciating when you have basically have to win every single game because the Giants are winning every single game. And the Dodgers, through this, you know, great, you know, 10 of 11 run, have only picked up one game. They yeah. took a step back. They were five games back. Then they went up to four, but now they're up to three. And they have a chance to pick up another half game if they're able to beat the Mets Thursday night. Right. Yep. Uh, they're three games back for the first time since August 1st. These Giants just keep on winning, but it looks like this is the part of the season where they might finally start to tail off, but I don't want to jinx anything, so let, let's let that play out. I wanted to talk about just this Dodgers pitching staff because in the month of August, they have just been phenomenal. 204 ERA. That's best in Major League Baseball. We can carry it back over to last night when Mitch White stood out, had the game of his life, came out of the bullpen, pitched essentially a complete game. He went seven and a thirds, but it might as well have been a complete game because he gave the bullpen full rest, which is important because Dave Roberts is doing a complete all hands on deck, his words, bullpen game tonight. So we'll see, we'll see how that shakes out. But I know you guys probably want to say something about Mitch White. So let's start uh, there. I'll just say something real quick before David goes, because I know he's a big Mitch White fan and I'm becoming a big Mitch White fan. But this is all we were asking for the entire season. Somebody in AAA, come up here, make a spot start, become one of our starting pitchers so that everybody can get back to being healthy. We just need a guy to who can give us a quality outing every fifth day while Kershaw gets better and, and gets back to business. The Dodgers, you know, like we saw, Cole Hamels, he's not going to be there anymore. He's out for the whole rest of the season. Who knows when Danny Duffy's coming back? So it was really important for Mitch White to come out, and he's been out there consistently, even though he didn't start. Like Kevin said, it was as if he gave us a start because he gave us seven and a third scoreless innings out of the bullpen. I don't care if it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. The dude shoved, and he earned a spot in this rotation as far as I'm concerned. They should keep him in there the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I've I've been a Mitch White fan, uh, even when he was g- kind of getting lit up early in the season. Because if you look back to those games, he kind of got thrown to the wolves. Uh, I mean, you, you threw him out there in extra innings uh, when he shouldn't have been out there. Uh, you threw him out a couple times where it was he, he has no business being in that game, but they had nobody left. Uh, so look, I'm, I've been a believer in his stuff for a long time, and it's great to see it's coming to fruition. Uh, just another member of that ridiculous 2016 MLB uh, draft class from Andrew Friedman. 
But uh, another guy we should talk about a little bit, or at least give credit to, is Andre Jackson, uh, who looked phenomenal in his major league debut through four innings, I believe, didn't give up a run. Uh, and then it looks like that changeup is is disgusting. That's that's on the it's not quite Devin Williams changeup, but it's it's up there. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, maybe in the future, you, you piggyback Mitch White and Andre Jackson together. And Love that's it. that's your game right there. You go four and four or whatever and bring in Trinan or, or Kenley, which I'm we're going to talk about later. Uh, but I, I like that suggestion if, when, if, if and when Kershaw comes back as a starter. Yeah, I think Andre Jackson is definitely going to make another appearance this season. I know they sent him down, but I was really impressed with his major league debut. I loved the movement on his fastball and the changeup. And it was awesome to see his dad in attendance. Was really thrilled to see his son excel, so that was really cool. Uh-huh. Blake Trinan. We talk about him a lot, but we just have to give Blake Trinan some more love because I think this is arguably his second greatest season ever in his major league career. The movement on that sinker and the slider he has a 188 era he gives up almost no hard contact period you look at the advanced stats whether it's a barrel against or soft contact it's like a hundred out of a hundred because he's just been that elite this season yeah and not only does he give up no hard contact he barely gives up contact nobody can hit this guy and that's been just an unbelievable thing to watch uh day in and day out the only thing i have to say about blake trinan is that I get why we're not we're not naming him the closer, right? Because Dave Roberts likes to have options and Kenley's kind of ha- has that ceremonial role right now on the team. But God damn it. Like let's let's use him in the ninth inning once in a while because some of these ninth innings are are, are you know, I'm about to have a freaking heart attack watching this happen. And and why would you do that with with Kenley Jansen on back-to-back nights? I mean, that you're just asking for trouble. So I I hope I'm not saying that he should be the closer, which a lot of fans have called for. I don't think that's it. I think the Dodgers have what works, which is they have a bunch of high leverage guys and they can kind of mix and match and put guys in positions to succeed. Blake Trinan needs to have the ninth inning more often than he does. He does. But I was just going to say real quick, when Roberts placed uh, Trinan in the eighth inning a night or two ago, it was against the Pirates, one, two, three guys. And I would rather Blake Trinan go against that part of the order then four, five, and six. I know Yoshi, for whatever reason, owned Jansen, but the guys that follow him up really aren't intimidating as opposed to Brian Reynolds. That's a bat you have to get out. I, I agree, and I want to get in, into this debate. Might as well do it now, but just just to shed some light on how dominant Trinan's been. First of all, he got, he got seven outs against the Pirates over two games using 16 total pitches, which is ridiculous. He's averaging 12 pitches per appearance, which is – also ridiculous. Uh, the last time he allowed an earned run was June 23rd. June 23rd. That's 23 straight scoreless uh, innings from, from trying. Absurd. But here's here's what I want to talk about. The Dodgers need to stop the cere- ceremonial role of Kenley Jansen. They just have to stop it. And it's not just because of Blake Trinan. It's because of guys like Phil Bickford, Alex Vesia, and Corey Knavel as well. Kenley Jansen, in my opinion, is arguably not even in the top three most reliable relievers on the Dodgers right now. And there's a big difference. There's also a big difference between Kenley Jansen on two days rest or Kenley Jansen on back-to-back days. They're not the same guy. Kenley Jansen on back-to-back days is a disaster waiting to happen. Uh, But my point is, 
I agree with Kevin. I think Trinan needs to be be in there for the heart of the lineup, whether that's the eighth or the ninth or even the seventh potentially. Uh, but look, you can't just it can't just be Kenley in the ninth. It just can't. Uh, you got Bickford, you got Basia, you got Knabel. Uh, you got to use him. This this ceremonial role needs to needs to be abolished. Uh, and I will say, we saw we saw Roberts get rid of it in the playoffs last year. We did. Uh, Trying to close the World Series game, Arias closed several do or die games. Uh, so I, I have I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I do have faith in Dave Roberts that he's gonna he's gonna tighten it up uh, in the playoffs. I don't think we'll see Kenley Jansen closing a one run game in the wild card game if we're in the wild card game. I really don't. Uh, but in the meantime, it, it just, we need to, he needs, we need to do a slow burn here. We need to accommodate Kenley to not the ninth inning. Yeah. But I will say this though, after there was that stretch there where Kenley blew a save in Colorado, this is after the uh, trade deadline, I believe, um, or after the all-star break, I can't remember which one, but he blew a save in Colorado. And then he blew two, two saves and, in a, yeah. two saves in a row against the giants. I think it was after the, the trade deadline and since that time, he's actually been pretty good, pretty dominant. But, and this is a big but, is the fact that you can't get cute with him. You can't um, rely on him on back-to-back nights. That just doesn't work. It's a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. I agree. You've got to play the matchup game. You've got, you've got, you've got to put your best reliever against the toughest part of the order, which, which they have been doing with Trinan. But there, but there are some ninth innings that it's just impossible to watch. And, uh, and, and Kenley almost, almost coughed one of those up against the pirates lately. And it just wasn't, wasn't pretty to validate why you should not pitch Kenley Jansen with zero days rest 12.2 innings pitched this season. He has a 568 ERA and that doesn't include a few unearned runs that scored. He has a 1.816 whip and a abhorrent and a 407 on base, a 407 on base percentage but that's the thing it's like we like i didn't even need to know those numbers to know that 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 he wasn't good in those situations so you know the dodgers have access to that data. that's what i'm know. saying it's like th- these numbers are accessible and this is one of the most heavy analytic teams in baseball and and we're we're just going up oh, well then it's the ninth inning so i guess we'll go to kenley it's like what what are we doing here yeah it's like selective analytics ryan one of our most loyal and i will say iconic catch the blues catch the blues why is Dave Roberts, a guy who doesn't believe in soft landings, using Knable in low leverage, low leverage? He wants Knable and Trinan as late inning, as a late inning two-headed beast. Well, you know, you know, if you're coming up from the minors and it's your major league debut, you're getting thrown in the fire. I don't yeah, know why really that's nice. the case, <laughs> but that keeps happening to guys, uh, uh, namely with uh, Justin Brule. But yeah, I think. You know, the Dodgers are using Knable as an opener for the first game of the Mets series. And I, I get the thinking of it uh, analytically because, you you know, you get the sort of the top of the order there. And if you can limit, you know, the Mets, if you can, you know, blank the Mets in the first inning, and that's that's a win, I guess. Um, but when you're do, when you're when you're doing a bullpen game, look, if you give up one run or two runs in the first inning, you can come back from that. But when you're in the late innings and you've got to rely on, you know, your worst relievers where you could bring in a guy like Knable to come in in a spot where you really need him. I just don't understand why you would waste him 
to to open a game like that. I'm I'm with Ryan on this one. Uh. I'm not because I would argue that they are using him in high leverage. I think they are using him against the heart of the order against the guys they want him to face. Uh, because I think he's one rung below Blake Trinan and you know, Blake Trinan's going to get the eighth inning or whenever the, the seventh or the eighth, whenever the heart of the order is coming up. So I'd argue that Canable is getting the same role. It's just in the, in the sixth or sixth or seventh. So, right, but but I mean that I I get that part. I get bringing him in the fifth or sixth. That's fine, but to have him as an opener just doesn't really make any. Oh sense. yeah, I mean I, I get what they're doing. They want him to get the top of the order to just you know get the look, get these uh, this Evan Phillips guy in versus maybe the bottom half of the order or, or you know Victor Gonzalez versus the bottom half of the order. So I get it, uh, but I don't know why we're using him in the. I mean it is what it is. Who honestly who cares? Uh, they're gonna have to get outs at some point, so might as well get them early, get a lead, hopefully. Corey Knable absolutely needs to be a high leverage guy. I know that his season has been pretty limited due to the lat injury, but before the injury, he was flat out filthy other than one hiccup against the Padres. And so far since coming back, he's getting sharper and sharper with every outing and we don't have a lot of time left. So you got to get him comfortable in these spots because you know, come October, assuming the Dodgers make a deep run. We saw what they did with trying and they're going to throw Knable in some uncomfortable situations. So you better get him his head ready now. Oh, he'll be ready. He is ready. Flipping sides now to the bats. Jake mentioned something that's pretty awesome, and it is starting to become a talking point. Max Muncie in the conversation of National League MVP. He was kind of slumping for a little bit, and then that idiot Mets fan decided to, decided to shine a laser in Muncie's eyes, and he awoke in the Incredible Hulk because since that, yeah. late, <laughs> since that laser moment, over his last four games, he has five home runs, his season total now, he has a 982 OPS, which is just Albert Pujols-like almost. 28 home runs, 75 RBIs, 7th overall in war in Major League Baseball. And the defense, as Jake already pointed out, that was one of his weaknesses last year and the year before, but he's been one of the most reliable guys at that position. Yeah, he's defensively, he's first, uh, I think it's national first for National League first baseman and defensive run saved. Yep. And and, and for second baseman, he's tied for fourth uh, in defensive run save. So this dude's doing it all. I still think Tatis has got him by, by a hair, uh, but he's going to finish top three in the MVP, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where this team would be without Max Muncy. He's just been the guy. And in the middle of that he order. He is that guy, pal. He is that guy, pal. Uh, when you need when you need a home run, when you need a competitive at bat, when you need an RBI, it always seems like you know it's either Max Muncy or historically Justin Turner. I mean, they've just been those consistent guys throughout their Dodgers careers. While Cody Bellinger has been having a very down season, AJ Pollock, on the other hand, since the All Star break, is batting three seventy five. With a 953 OPS himself, he has 17 runs batted in. We saw him bat leadoff in his most recent game against the Pirates. He looked good. AJ Pollock, yes, AJ Pollock has been a must-play all season, and props to him for really just stepping it up as a Los Angeles Dodger in 2021. Yeah, you know what he's not done. Also, he's not swinging it every single slider away. That's the thing I've noticed the most because it's never been an issue for him to make, you know, good contact and hit the ball hard. And it's, it's honestly just been an issue of, of pitch selection. And I don't know what, I don't know what's going on with his eyes or his head or his plate discipline. Uh, but this dude is not chasing that 
slider from right-handed pitchers remotely even close to what he used to do for his entire daughter's career. So I think that's been the key to his success. Uh, but this dude is, is on another planet this year. Right. And it reminds me slightly of when uh, Beltre had his career year as a Dodger in 2004. It felt like every year leaning up to that, he was kind of swinging at everything. And then all of a sudden, 2004, he just, his plate discipline became a lock and he hit 48 home runs. I'm not saying AJ Pollock is Adrian Beltre, but similar to, similarly to what David was saying is that he's just being selective. He's having great at bats. And for a guy that not many Dodgers fans expected much from, and when you look at the star power in this lineup, nobody really you know, expected him to carry the offense at any point. But with all the injuries that they've had, him, Chris Taylor, I mean, those guys have stepped up and carried this team through, through these months, and they're in the position that they're in because of them. There's a new governor in New York. During that short vacancy, Will Smith really right. shined in New York at City Field. He had home runs in back-to-back-to-back games, and they were all clutch home runs, if I'm not mistaken. He broke up Taiwan Walker's no-hitter that I think was taken into the seventh. He had a late go-ahead home run when the Dodgers really needed it to avoid that BS extra innings man Manfred nonsense. So if you guys want to talk about Will Smith – Opening it up. I was just happy to hear you talk nicely about it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to let you go for as long as you wanted to go. Yeah, keep going, Kevin. This is great. I, uh, you know, I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for how clutch he actually is because he's had some moments where it was very unclutch, like that, that moment in Colorado uh, with the bases loaded and nobody out and he wasn't able to do anything with it. Uh, but there's, there's nobody better on this team, uh, from the seventh inning on the numbers back that up. Uh, and he's at his best when these pitchers are throwing him inside because he can turn the hands over. He can bring the hands inside, clear the bat. Uh, if I was an opposing fan, uh, if I was an opposing team, I would not throw him a pitch on the inside half of the plate one time. Uh, that's, that's his hot zone. doesn't even have to be a strike and be a foot inside. He can get the hands around and turn on it. So yeah. It's he's been fun to watch his, his defense is getting better. He still has some issues, occasional issues where he'll drop a ball, pass ball, uh, maybe not get the tag down, but the framing, the game calling and the overall defense has taken quite the leap this year overall. Yeah. I got nothing to add. I I'm, I'm a huge Will Smith fan. I'll add Max Scherzer has been very uh, revering towards Smith only saying nothing but good things. So yeah, very complimentary. Yeah. Very good. Uh, battery right there scherzer's a smart man he wants his bat in the lineup <laughs> <laughs> lastly in the month of august Corey seager is Corey seager he's been on a tear 333 batting average 970 ops the doubles are back he's got seven of them this month he's got a couple dingers that's right i said dingers if you get the reference <laughs> but anyways i feel like i feel like this dodgers team with trey turner in there Corey Seager in there. Obviously, Muncy, we already talked about. Hopefully, we get Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts back very soon. But when you have all these guys rolling right now, this team is unstoppable. And that's why we're seeing them on this tear where they've won 10 of their last 11 games. Yeah, no one's ever criticized Corey Seager for his bat. I mean, the guy can just rake. When he's healthy and he's going right, he can rake. And he, and he like Will Smith, is clutch. And so... To, to see him come back from that hand in injury, I was nervous that 
you know, with all the setbacks, he wouldn't be coming back at full strength, but it appears he is. Um, he, he's playing serviceable defense. Um, I haven't seen him make any huge blunders uh, since coming back. So that's encouraging as well. Um, and yeah, I have no, no complaints about Corey Seager since he's been back. So here's what I want to talk about real quick. If we got, if we got a little bit of time, got plenty of time, the schedule, the schedule towards the end of the year, because I'm, I'm going to assume the Dodgers are going to take two out of three versus the Mets because the Mets aren't well, actually playing the four. Is this a four game series? Yes. Okay. Then I'm going to say three out of four. So the schedule to end the year, the giants and Padres play each other for 10 of their final 19 games. That's going to be a gauntlet. And frankly, we just basically need the Padres to split if we take care of our business. But our schedule to end the year is, is it's a mixed bag. You got three with three with Milwaukee, three with San Diego, three with Colorado, three with Cincinnati and six with Arizona. So that's nine games where it should be automatic wins. And then you got uh, four. Yeah. About three series is three series where it's, it's playoff teams or near playoff teams. So I think the division is going to come down to the final 19 games. I don't think it's going to be determined remotely close to before then. I don't know. I, I really don't know how this is going to shape out. I think we have to at least take two out of three versus San Francisco. If we, if we have any hope, if we get, if they win two out of three, I think our division chances are done. Uh, but those, those 10 games between San Diego and San Francisco are, are, are going to be interesting. Yeah, and that's what I've been saying for weeks. Yeah, you have said that. I've said it's – and what I just want to go back to the Brewers thing because the Brewers are just coasting right now, and that could work out in our favor if we need to take those last three. I can see the Brewers resting their starters if the Dodgers really have to win those games because the NL Central, is a, it's locked up at this point, and I don't see any reason why they would want to pitch Woodruff and Burns against the Dodgers, especially if they have to face them in the NLCS. Like, that makes no sense. Also – also, you got to factor in, they don't want the best record in the National League. They have no interest in yeah. playing the wild card winner. They want the NL East, and that which is basically a buy. You're either going to get the Braves or you're going to get the Phillies, who are both not great teams. Uh, so they're not going to be they're not going to be gunning for that. Those last couple games, they're not going to be in any particular hurry to, to maybe edge the Giants or the Dodgers for best record. The other thing that I think is 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 um, helpful to think about when you consider up until this last recent stretch, the terrible records for the Dodgers in one run games and also extra inning games, the giants are going down to the wire with bad teams. Like the D backs are giving them trouble. I don't think the Mets are a good team. They were giving them trouble. I mean, these are close and tight games for the giants to, for, for them to be the best team in baseball. They're not, blowing these teams out of the water. They're not really winning comfortable games. So you have to think that if they continue to get played the way they're being played, that a lot that some of those are going to just not go their way. Um, and that's, that's what I'm hoping for, because I, I feel like, I feel like the Dodgers um, have a better team, not only on paper, but on the field when they're right, they're leaps and bounds better than the giants. Yep time to talk about one popular pitcher and then we'll talk about one unpopular pitcher but i almost forgot to talk about him in our pitcher segment walker bueller now i know we've been talking about him a lot lately because he's just been phenomenal fantastic he's doing it all he's clearly the ace of this dodger staff this season 
But how good has he been this season? Well, he has the best ERA in the National League, a 209 ERA. He has an 0.9938 whip, which is phenomenal when you have under when you have a whip under one. That means you're getting the job done. His biggest competition was Zach Wheeler, but thanks to Bob Nightingale and Jake, you have a I'll give you an opportunity to plug something in a second. Bob Nightingale tweeted something about Zach Wheeler having nine up, nine down. Well, against the worst team in Major League Baseball, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they shelled him after that tweet. So his ERA has now ballooned up to 277. That's a pretty big advantage for Bueller right now. But I actually wanted to compare Walker Bueller to 2011 Clayton Kershaw because we all think back, wow, Kershaw was dominant that season despite the Dodgers not being very good. Kershaw finished with 21 wins, which was just the only 20-game winner, I think, that season. Maybe Kennedy was there. I can't remember. But regardless, Kershaw 2011 finished with a 2.28 ERA and a 9.77 whip. You compare those numbers with Walker Bueller that I just said, Bueller is having the better season. And I believe both them are in their fourth year during those time frames. So Walker Bueller is on a great track right now in his career. Yeah, to the fact that the Dodgers were able to not necessarily replace Kershaw with Bueller, but essentially that's what's happened. I mean, Kershaw's still there and he's still a really good, effective pitcher, but Bueller stepped into that role. And you just think about the uh, the long list of great Dodgers pitchers. It feels that they always have that one guy that is just completely dominant. And for a lot of the teams that have been bad for as long as we can remember, I mean, the Pirates and the Tigers and, you know, all of those teams, you know, that's how rare it is to get another ace like Clayton Kershaw in his, in his spot. And they have both of those plus Scherzer, plus Urias. I mean, it, it's an embarrassment of riches. And I, I mean, look, every time Walker Bueller goes out there, I am just as, as cool as a cucumber watching these games. There is no stress. I, I have full confidence in him. Even the stressful games that you need to win the must, the must win games, completely confident in him that he's going to go out there and, and at least get a quality start. And he probably is going to dominate. Yeah, he is like say a, enough. Go ahead, Kevin. I was going to say, he has like a 160 ERA over his last seven outings. Yeah, it's, insane. it's, it's completely dominant. I, I think he's been, if not the best, one of the top three pitchers in baseball by far this year. And it's a shame because a lot of the East Coast media goes to sleep at 10 p.m. their time, which is about when the Dodgers start playing. So we've, we're, we're, we're used to this. We're used to the, the East Coast national media, which is basically most of the national media. Uh, kind of just saying like, oh, yeah, the Dodgers are great. The Dodgers are great, but not knowing a whole lot about him. I mean, you got Alex Rodriguez on Sunday Night Baseball who's asked to give his playoff rotation for the Dodgers, and he lists Walker Buehler as the number three starter. So, look, I know that Ben Affleck stole your girl, A-Rod, but maybe watch a couple Dodgers games for once in your goddamn life. Uh, I mean, just preposterous. I don't know how these, these, these commentators still keep getting away with it. But uh, look, man, I'm just glad we got Walker Bueller. We're going to lock him up at some point, but he's under contract for, I believe, three more years after this. He's, he's the best pitcher. He's the best pitcher in the National League, and I, I'd make a case for him as, as the best pitcher in baseball at some point here soon. He certainly is based off this season. If you want to just go off that, Walker Bueller is, without a doubt, the number one pitcher. Trevor Bauer. So the hearings have concluded, and – 
I don't know what to say about it. It's very confusing other than that the judge ruled that the restraining order that the uh, Miss Hill, I, she would be the, not the defendant, so the plaintiff, I guess. The yep. accuser. The accuser. Um, she wanted a lifetime restraining order, did not get her way. The judge went along with uh, adding that criminal charges are likely not going to happen, although can't say that's a guarantee. But regardless, we do what we do know is that Bowers' extended leave has been extended through August 26, so that'll be at least another week. They're still investigating on the Major League Baseball side of things, so we are still waiting to, to find out how long or if there will be a suspension for Trevor Bauer. But all I have to add in the meantime is I don't expect to see him pitch for the rest of this season, and I have no idea what to expect in 2022. Yeah, and from what I'm from what I can gather, it seems as though Major League Baseball is going to be waiting to see how the criminal process plays out. From what I from what I hear, they could come and and say, you know, we're going to suspend him or not suspend him or however they want to deal with it. But I think that that's what they're going to wait for. The Pasadena Police Department is still investigating, uh, according to them. And um, what I also heard was that this hearing is going to be used as you know justification for if they go forward with criminal charges or if they decide not to go forward with the criminal charges based on what this judge said it was kind of even though it was just a hearing about a, uh, a restraining order it was like a de facto trial um, because you had you know witnesses uh, you had you know testimony and you had evidence uh, put in front of a judge and it's kind of all out there now. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I'm with, I'm with Kevin on this one that, you know, I, I don't think Bauer is going to pitch the rest of this season. I know some fans have been talking about that on Twitter and, per, and personally, I don't really ever want to see him pitch for the Dodgers ever again, regardless of what happens with, with, with the criminal investigation. Yeah. Here's where I stand. So I, you know, I've, I've read a couple tweets and some analysis from people who know more about the legal system and MLB's domestic violence system than I do. It, I don't think there's going to be criminal charges based off of what the judge said today. Uh, but I do think that there is 100% going to be a suspension from MLB. Um, it's pretty clear that he violated their, if you look at the language in their domestic violence policy, it's pretty clear he violated it. And I, I do hope he's suspended. You know, I, when the Dodgers signed this guy, I was stoked. Uh, I was a big fan of his. I was a big fan of him as a pitcher. Uh, but after this, it's just, you know, it's pretty, pretty inexcusable all around. Um, so I, I do hope he's suspended. I hope he's suspended for two years. And I hope the Dodgers get out of this contract. And you can let someone else, if, if someone's willing to give him an opportunity, go ahead, give him an opportunity. But I, I hope, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I hope he's pitched his last game for the Dodgers. And I hope he's suspended for a foreseeable amount of time because you, you just can't do that. You, you just can't do it in regular life uh, as a normal person. And especially if you're a, uh, you know, an athlete who has obligations to not just yourself, but to a team. Right. And, and it was very telling during this process that it came out that the majority of the players, or I shouldn't say majority, but a number of the players came out, didn't come out, but it was reported that they said Implied, that they didn't, yeah. they didn't want him back. That is, that is huge. You've got that. And you've also, you know, I don't think the Dodgers could ever justify putting him on the mound again. Just couldn't do it. I I'm with you. And it's, you know, 
you look back to how, why they vetoed that Araldus Chapman trade. Uh, if they had known about the, the pending uh, complaint against him from Cleveland, which apparently is a thing, there's no way they sign him. But, un- but unfortunately for, for everybody, that, that record was sealed and nobody knew about that. So, I, look, I know there's some people hopeful out there. You know, we don't know for a fact that he's guilty, obviously. It sure looks like he's guilty of something. Uh, but, you know, for, for a lot of us, for a lot of people, it's there's just no reason to, to continue having him as, on the Dodger. And one thing I want to point out, as of now, the Dodgers cannot do anything. It is in MLB's hands. So if you're going to try to criticize the team, why is he still on the team? They, they legally cannot do anything right now until MLB is done with their investigation. So after a long wait... The Dodgers have finally revealed their City Connect jerseys. And we actually had a question about that a couple weeks ago from Josh the Flip. So I'm sure he's excited. He's got another question for us, which we'll get to later. But I feel like we're going to have some differing opinions here. For me, I found them pretty lazy and uninspiring. And it's basically they took their spring training jersey, got rid of the Dodgers, put Los Dodgers on it instead. I know people are saying Los Doyers, and I think that's how they should have spelled it. And then the hat. What the heck? It just says Los Dodgers. I agree with you about the hat. A little uninspiring, especially since it matches the jersey completely. But overall, I mean, at least we didn't get the Serpientes. Like, those, <laughs> yeah. those uniforms are awful. At least they kind of went with what they knew was kind of their bread and butter, which was all blue, Dodger blue. And they're honoring the, the Mexican heritage, the, you know, Latino American fans of the Dodgers and uh, that entire history there. So I'm, I'm happy with that. And, uh, you know, I don't think that they're the, the coolest jerseys ever, but I, I kind of like them. Uh, just, I just don't get the hat. I just wish the hat was a little different. Yeah, I'm not going to get too greedy here. I like them a lot. I love the blue on blue on blue. Uh, if they had white pants, this would be a disaster for me, but the blue pants save it. Could they have done a better job? Yeah. Could they have done a worse job? Even harder? Yes. Uh, so they didn't get too cute with it. Could have been a little bit better. I feel like I could have designed these. So whoever got paid to do this, congrats on the free money. Uh, but look, the blue on blue on blue is going to look fire. Uh, in the pictures they, they, they showed us, the pants were super baggy. Uh, so I feel like those were just the pants they like had, they hadn't really been fit to the players yet. Once the, once they get these pants fitting, we're going to get some nice socks to go with it. It's going to look good. I promise. I, I don't, the hat is my least favorite part as well, but let's just take this as a win for now. <laughs> Could be so much worse. So you'll get to see those Friday through Sunday when they play the Mets. Speaking of the Mets. I wanted to bring this up because we're going to get to face Rich Hill. He is scheduled to start against the Dodgers. He's actually going to go against Max Scherzer. I believe that game's on Saturday. So I wanted to use this time to just say, to have each one of us say like, what was one memory of Rich Hill that you really enjoyed or did enjoy if you want to go that route? I mean, I just, I have always felt bad for Rich Hill as it relates to the 2018 World Series. I thought he pitched a hell of a game in game four and for Roberts to do what he did in that game and take him out when, when Boston wasn't even touching him in favor of a nervous reliever, as someone famous said once. Exactly. Exactly. And for him to do that after Boston wasn't even touching rich Hill, 
I just respected the hell out of him. He's a gutsy veteran. He's a guy that that came over and performed a lot better than I think people anticipated him performing. And he became a uh, a staple in that rotation for for a number of years. But yeah, my my favorite memory of him, even though it, it's a painful one, was the performance he had in game four of the 2018 World Series because he deserved better. Yeah, I fucking love Rich Hill. Uh, I mean, this is a first of all, University of Michigan guy. So, of course, he's going to be great. Second of all, this is a guy who had to be on two separate teams with Josh Reddick. So, you know, he's been through it. Third of all, one of the best competitors we've, we've ever seen as a Dodger. Uh, this dude wanted to win more than basically anyone we've seen in a while, or at least showed that he wanted to win. Uh, I remember him busting up the water cooler at one point. Uh, but I'm, I'm with Jake. That was my favorite memory of him. Uh, it's a shame that the bullpen and Ryan Madsen couldn't hold it. And Dave Roberts kind of botched that one. Uh, Cause who knows how that world series turns out. If they, if they win that game, I still don't think they win it, uh, but who knows? That's why you, but it makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be nice. Hopefully we, we beat him around for a bit, but just an overall, a, a great dude and a, and, a, and a fun guy to watch. I remember that time where he, had the bin of high chews and like it splattered everywhere that was, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. but I, my favorite memory even though it didn't end well was when he took a no hitter into the 10th inning yeah that was against, against the pirates. pirates right yeah yeah i think that was 2017 um i feel like someone made an amazing catch i know puig did one in miami and roberts took him out early he was throwing a no hitter and he didn't let him finish it but this time dodgers couldn't score for whatever reason one one or no, it was zero zero obviously because Rillis Hill was having a no hitter and the Dodgers yeah. lost. I think Josh Harrison broke it up, or, but that was a cool one. Hill really battled that day. What about Players Weekend, Dick Dick Mountain? Yeah, that's right. That was that iconic. Was, that was a great nickname, Steve M. You don't have to answer this one if you're superstitious, but predict how many games the Dodgers will win the division by. He thinks it's six. I've been saying they're going to win it. I think they're going to win it by three. That's what I've been saying. I'm, I said one, so I'm going to stick to that. I am deferring this until after the Mets series. Josh, the flip. His question is pretty straightforward. If X happens for the Dodgers, or if X happens, are the Dodgers winning the World Series? Yes or no? So I guess it's just if, if this happens – the Dodgers are winning the World Series. For me, it's if they get healthy, they're going to no, win. No, he. World I Series. think he just. I think he just wanted a yes or no question and not an explanation as okay. to you know if this happens and or right. the Dodgers will only win if this happens. So it's okay. a yes or no question. Okay. Well, still the X is going to be healthy and it's yes. I don't answer those questions. I never have. I can't. I can't. Moving on. This is a good one. We kind of talked about it a little bit, but Big Dingers Club. What is, what is our take on the health of Mookie Betts? We got the update that the hip is feeling great, no pain. He is going to resume baseball activities while we're, as we're recording, so that started. I'm hoping we get him back in time against the Padres. I know that's probably a little wishful thinking, but if we can get him back in September, that will be absolutely huge. Mookie Betts, after a slow start, a lot of criticism, he got that OPS up to like 895. He was on a tear. And he's playing with a bad hip. So, I mean, 
props to him. It sounds like there will be some minor offseason hip surgery, some bone spurs they found out. That's kind of what I was thinking this whole time. I was like, it's not going to be anything serious, but it's something nagging him. Yeah, that's that's my take on Mookie Betts. I mean, there's good and there's good and bad news here, which is is that he's they're not going to, you know, send him into surgery this season. So it means that he's playing, but the other the other side of it is is that it's not like you can, you know, keep him out for X amount of time so that it, that it'll get better and by the time he's fully recovered, you know, there's no there there is no, not going to be a fully recovered Mookie Betts in the lineup. So um, whatever we can get out of him is it, it, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, even if it's just his presence in the lineup, I'll take it. Right. Um, I, I liked, I liked before he went on the IL recently, I liked when they had him batting third. Um, I think that that is a good spot for him in the order because he just can't create like he once did, uh, from the top of the order, like he did in the world series, like create on the base paths and, and good for the Dodgers for getting a guy like Trey Turner, who is lightning fast and can do that kind of stuff that Mookie did in the playoffs last year. So we just need his bat and we need, we need his adequate defense and we'll take what we can get from him. Yeah. So he feels good because he got the cortisone shot. And that's good news, but the bad news is you can only get a certain amount of cortisone shots before you start getting into unhealthy amount and where you can even increase the damage. Uh, so hopefully this cortisone shot holds. Uh, hopefully he doesn't need another one uh, because he's not going to be able to get one uh, for the next couple weeks. So I think this rest will definitely help. It's not going to fully heal him, uh, but it's going to give his body a nice break, uh, maybe reset a little some of that damage to some degree obviously you can't reset a bone spur but you can reset the fatigue of it so we'll see uh basically we just need him out there uh 70 mookie bets is still a phenomenal player dodgers games summed up wants to know assuming kenley jansen leaves us in free agency which young guy and i said young guy so not blake trying or canable do you think we'll get the most opportunities to close out games. I think it's still going to be a closer by committee unless they go out and get someone that is a prototypical closer, whatever that is. But I, I think that that role is, is going to be kind of, you know, going away and it, it, it already is going away. Um, but my, you know, if I, if I had to pick one new guy, I would say with the way he's going, Phil Bickford. Uh, would be the guy that I would I would have in the ninth inning closing games out um, along with trying and along with Knable if he comes back. I'm going to pick an unpopular option here because I still have faith in this guy and it's it's bruised our Gratterall. Uh, the potential is there. The stuff is there. Uh, it's just a matter of why isn't this guy missing bats? And it doesn't is, make a lot of sense. Is it, it the movement though? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what it, it is? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But when you got guys on your team like Blake Trinan uh, who can work with you, uh, I think he's going to figure it out. And it probably won't be this season. He looks, he looks a lot better than he has all season the past couple weeks. Uh, but this kid's still super young, super, super young. Uh, and it's, it's the stuff is there. So I, I think he's going to put it together. I really do. And I think he has the potential to be a lights out closer. To save time. I also had Bruce star Gratterall locked in my head. So we'll move on. David did a great job of pretty much saying what I was going to say. So 
Tim, SD Rogers, who runs a cool prospecting site called Dodgers 2080, says congrats, guys. So thank you, Tim. Shane Green. Haven't talked about him yet. The Dodgers signed him to a major league contract. They're expected to get him to come to the bullpen this upcoming weekend. I like the move. You know, he did struggle this season with the Braves, 847 ERA. But we saw last season he was a pretty good setup arm. This guy will top out 92-93. He throws a mix of a cutter and a sinker. He's got a nice slider. He can generate whiffs up to around 30%. It's a low-risk move at this point, and the Dodgers need arms. And I was always saying, like, they don't need to trade for a big fish at the trade deadline. And it seems like this season more than ever, there's just a lot of proven, established veterans out there on the market. So the Dodgers are going to roll the dice first with Shane Green, and we'll see what this guy has to offer. He definitely has the experience. I mean, if there's anything I've learned about the Dodgers is that guys that have had terrible seasons, and I'm talking strictly about relievers, it doesn't really matter when they come over here um, because guys that have had horrible records have come over here and absolutely have been dominant. I mean, Phil Bickford was DFA'd by the Brewers, came over to the Dodgers, and he's one of our best high-leverage high relievers. So bring on Shane Green, bring on Neftali Feliz. Who else you got? Justin Brule. I mean, I don't care. You know, I think that that's Andrew Friedman's MO is just to bring in guys that he thinks are good or he sees something in them. If they work, great. If not, like Kevin said, it's a low-risk move. See, I, I'm, I'm on the complete other side of the fence. I despise this move, and let me tell you why. I, Kevin hated this guy about a year and a half ago, and, and he was right. He was right. I was pounding my fists on the table when he was on Detroit before the Braves traded him to, for the Dodgers to get him. And he has not been the same since he left the Detroit Tigers at all. And you know what this move reeks to me of? Ryan Madsen. That is my fear with this move is that, hey, maybe Shane Green pitches well for three weeks. And maybe it's like, oh, okay, this guy's an option. Maybe we'll keep him, maybe we'll put him on the playoff roster. And then what is he going to do? Shit his pants in the playoffs and cost us, cost us whatever series. So I hate this move. I hate it. Uh, he's looked bad since he braved, since he joined the Braves, and he's looked worse this year. Uh, so I do not like this move. This this move reeks of Ryan Madsen to me. Uh, yeah, they've struck gold on Phil Bickford. Yeah, they've struck gold on a couple other options. But my worst fear is that this guy pitches pretty decent, not great, but decent. And they put, they, they put him on the playoff roster and then he shits his pants. I mean, that could be, that, that could be the case with any of these guys. I, I, I don't think that the, that the Dodgers are looking for uh, another guy for the seventh, eighth or ninth inning. I mean, they've, they've got Trinan, they've got Knable, they've got Jansen, they've, they've got Vesia, um, they They've got Bickford. So and Joe Kelly. And Joe Kelly once he comes back. So Shane Green is a low-risk move. And if he comes in and does well, then great. But if not, whatever. I mean, I don't think that when, when it comes down to it, we're going to be relying on Shane Green to, to, to get big outs for us when we have all the rest of these guys ready to go. Yeah, it's, I don't it's... I don't view him as a high leverage guy. And funny enough, the Braves last season weren't using him in high leverage yeah. situations yeah. against us. So I think that speaks volume, but it ultimately could come down to when the Dodgers are trying to piece together their postseason roster. Do we go with Gratterall who's kind of hit or miss on certain nights or do we go with Shane green? And you know, if we have like another Gonsolin situation where the guy gets burned out after two innings, you go to Shane green in the third. 
or the fourth. I hope right. so, man. I, hey, I, I mean, I hope he's good. I'm not rooting against him. Yeah. Uh, I, I just hope he's good consistently. Not good the only thing, weeks. the only, the only uh, trepidation I have about Shane Green is in an extra inning game when we're running out of relievers. Yep. I mean, that's that's the kind of that's the worry. But if the Dodgers are able to get a lead, they're gonna they're gonna use their their best guys and their top guys. Well, it looks like Mitch White is pitching his way onto a roster, not as a starter. Uh, so we'll see. I don't even know if Shane, if there's going to be room for him. So we'll see. Yep. That's certainly true. That's certainly true. Two things I wanted to talk about. And then obviously you guys can bring up anything you want to talk about too. Gavin Lux. I just kind of feel bad for this guy right now. They put him at third base a couple nights ago and he definitely has the fielding ability. He's always able to ground those, get those ground balls or those lineouts. But when he tries to throw it, Oh man, it just, the trains fall off the tracks. He tried to make that play to Will Smith at home plate. He kind of airmailed it. He tried to make one to first. That went nowhere. The Dodgers gave Gavin Lux essentially the keys to second base, and it just did not work out for him. We'll see what happens. I think he can maybe re- rediscover himself in the offseason. But he struggled against the Pirates coming off the IL. He did not look too good in AAA either. I don't know how much more leeway you can give to Lux, honestly, this season. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, man, because he, because they, you're right. They did, they did give him that opportunity and he has started the majority of his time this season, even though he's been injured a couple times and it's just, there have been flashes of brilliance. Those, you know, big grand slams that he hit against the giants. Like there have been flashes of, of, of real promise there, but ultimately it's just not been there consistently and I, I wouldn't feel as bad about the defense if the bat was there. Just kind of how I feel about Corey Seager is like, yeah, okay, he's not that great of a fielder, but at least he can hit the ball and he can, you know, give us some clutch at bats. But yeah, I, personally though, I mean, they've held on to Gavin Lux this long. Like I, I would give him at least one more opportunity, uh, you know, depending on how the rest of this year goes and give him one more shot next year. And if it doesn't work out, then, then maybe you, you try to cut ties with him at some point. Yeah, look, he's he's talented. There's no debating that. You don't become the number two prospect in baseball if, if you're not good at baseball. He just hasn't been able to put it together, mainly at the plate. Uh, I'm not worried about the, the throws. I, I think that's just a case of playing out of position. This guy's been a shortstop his entire career. Uh, it's not that simple to just switch positions. Uh, so I, I'm cutting some slack there. He's one of the fastest players in baseball. He's got tremendous range. Uh, he's got power and he can hit for contact. It's just a matter of putting it together. And I still believe in this guy. I, I, I think this year uh, may be a bit of a lost cause. Obviously there's nowhere to, to start him uh, regularly right now with, uh, you know, acquiring Trey Turner. Uh, but look, I still, I'm, I'm still a believer. I, I really am. Uh, and I think he's going to put it together next season. I really do. It's going to be an interesting discussion come off season, but it's starting to look like they're grooming Gavin Lux to potentially become a utility man. Yeah. looks like it. Or just to, I mean, it could be, but it could just be trying to get him on the field for this year. Yeah, definitely. Last thing after we're done with the Mets, Dodgers have an off day. And then that's when that series with the San Diego Padres will begin. The Padres. There was so much hype about this team. That's all we heard about this off season. They have the number one lineup. They have the number one pitching staff. They came out hot in April. I know they beat the Dodgers. They swept them the last time we faced them. 
but they're falling apart. In the month of August, they played 16 games. They have a seven and nine record. They got humiliated by the Colorado Rockies. CJ Crone made him their was their daddy. The Crone Zone. The Diamondbacks played them tough. The Diamondbacks won three of four. Hugh Darvish got placed on the IL. Drew Pomeranz is out for the season. They signed Jake Arietta, who had a 688 ERA, and then he got hurt in his first appearance. Not after giving up like five runs in four innings. That's right. Yeah, here you go, San Diego. <laughs> and then Fernando Tatis Jr., who's been the only bright spot for this team, when he could stay on the field, has been exceptional with the 36 home runs. You assume he'll be out there in the outfield against the Dodgers and probably the rest of the way this season. But the last thing I want to say, they got no hit by the Diamondbacks. Tyler Gilbert, who actually was on the Dodgers roster uh, this previous offseason, was a Rule 5 pick by the Diamondbacks in his first career start through a no-hitter against San Diego, who earlier this season, if you recall, was riding a massive wave because Joe Musgrove threw their first franchise no-hitter, which in my opinion is kind of embarrassing because it's, it's taken you like 50 years to throw your first no-hitter or whatever. But besides the point, those three games are going to be big. You know for sure we're going to see Blake Snell. Hopefully this is the time that we can get to him because it's been outrageous how he's owned us. They'll probably find a way to start Joe Musgrove against us. And that third starter, don't know yet. Could be Darvish, could be someone random because they have a lot of injuries. Chris Paddock is on the IL. But this final point I want to make is that this Padres team is showing that they were not built for a 162-game season, and they may have gotten a little over their heads last season playing 60 games. Yeah, I mean, I still don't want to play him in the wild card game, and it's for one reason, and that's Fernando Tatis, uh, because that guy can single-handedly win you a baseball game. Uh, hey, but. the Dodgers are, are better than the Padres. There's no question about that. Uh, but when you have a guy like that, uh, in a one-game playoff, it's still scary. Even if your team is not playing well, uh, your trade at your trade deadline acquisitions have not been performing. Uh, your starting rotation is hurt, uh, but you get to the wild card game and anything goes. So I still would would love to avoid them in a one-game series. In a five-game series, bring them on. But a one-game one-game playoff still scary. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's. You could make that case for any team, though. You could, team. Yes, but but not every team has a Fernando Tatis. They don't. But True. Yeah. And Reds, what I was gonna what go I was gonna say is that the that you want to you you want to avoid that one game playoff no matter what, which is why I think that winning the division is so crucial and it's something that the Dodgers can do and they just need a little help from the rest of the league with the Giants and the Dodgers need to keep winning and and I mean it's a simple formula it's not an easy one and it's not a gimme. Um, but it is possible and I think it will happen. Now, the other thing is, is that I don't care how bad the, the Padres are or whatever stretch they're going through, you know, they're going to, they're going to play us tough yeah. no yeah. matter what um, they're going to get up for that series. They always do. It's kind of like how the, the, the giants have been in the past few years where it's like, they've not been good, but for, for whatever reason, when they play the Dodgers, they're, they're locked in and they, and they play us really tough. Same thing with the Padres this year. They've played us really, really tough, and and and, and they've played us better um, this year. But, and this is a big but, again, the Dodgers have not been fully healthy when playing the Padres. We have not seen what the Dodgers are fully made of when they're fully healthy against this team. And hopefully we'll get to see that when we play the Padres, and hopefully Mookie Betts will be back. I know our pitchers will be lined up. We've got the best pitchers in the game. we got Scherzer, Arias, and Bueller. 
and they all need to be going. Um, and if all of that's happening, then I have full confidence we can sweep them. I have this theory about the Padres, and it kind of came to me with the Diamondbacks in 2017 and 2018, where they kind of construct their roster to match up and potentially beat the Dodgers. And they put all of their scouting and all their time focusing on how to beat the Dodgers. Well, they kind of have to, don't but, they? But this is what I'm going to say is that they get sniped by every other team that they face because they put all their emphasis on trying to beat the Dodgers, but then they struggle against below 500 teams. And we're kind of seeing that with the Padres this season where, you know, they come out, they have the, a full game plan against the Dodgers, but then they play the Diamondbacks or they play the Rockies or they play the Marlins, et cetera. And they just get humiliated. And I think it's my point is they just, they put too much, they took too much caring, too much focus in that pride of beating the Dodgers, but it doesn't matter if you can't beat the other 29, 28 teams out there. I mean, I guess they're thinking that if they can match up well against the Dodgers and the Dodgers being the class of the national league, that they could beat a, could beat these other, you know, other teams, but I don't know. It doesn't make, it doesn't make very, very, very much sense. Like why, why do they match up well against us and not against anybody else? Right. We'll see. Uh, you're absolutely right. They, they, they get up for the Dodgers. Uh, they want that rivalry. It's, it's as corny as it sounds. It's, it's their monthly world series. So we'll see. I want two out of three from that series from the Dodgers, though. I want two out of three. They have to. Must. They're must-win games. Anything else that we didn't cover today or Major League Baseball talk on our 100th episode, I must say. So that's awesome. Woo! (laughs) We made it. Ambiguous 100, but yes. I just like the way the Dodgers are playing. I, I mean, this is what we've been wanting this whole season is for them to win these close games for them to win extra inning games has been a huge Achilles heel for them. Now, if they can just tighten up the defense, they'll be great. Um, and if they can start hitting left-handed pitching a little better, they'll be great. Um, but this is a great team. This is one of the best teams I've ever seen constructed, even with all the injuries. And I said that from, from the beginning. Um, and, and now they're starting to play like that team, which is really exciting. Yeah, they, they're doing everything they need to do right now, uh, but they need to keep that up uh, right now against the Mets uh, because the Mets suck. They are bad. Yeah, I mean, the Mets are definitely falling apart. A lot of that's due to injuries, but regardless, they are a bad team right now. You cannot deny that fact. Make sure to subscribe to The Incline. You can find us on any podcast platform. You can also watch us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter. You can follow us individually on Twitter. All that info will be in the description below. So thank you guys so much. Here's to another hundred. Next time you hear from us, the Dodgers and Padres series will be concluded. So we'll dive and dissect that series. But in the meantime, let's get above 30 games over 500 because this team is elite. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.